0: Thanks for listening to Open the Word. Today, we're throwing it back and dusting off an episode from the archives. We've had some great conversations over a decade of radio ministry that deserve to be heard again. So you might hear some new voices and old references, but we hope you still enjoy these episodes. You found a place to belong here in the Circle of Friends. I'm Missy and I'm with Gwen. Mm. Hi, good morning. Good to have you here, Gwen, and we are having... I think a great time looking at First Peter. I mean, here's here's the thing. Um, I I love expository preaching. That means
1: you go passage by passage,
0: passage by passage, and whatever mm-hmm. it says, you deal with and you figure out the context Absolutely. and who it's said to. And all. and I think uh, there are certain things that maybe it's easy, to like ooh, we can't talk about that. But honestly, we need to face things head, head on because God, right. our God, our Lord and Savior, the Father above is He is the the giver of good and perfect gifts. And what mm-hmm. he calls us to is good. What he, he wants us to follow, the path he wants us to follow is the best for us. Mm-hmm. So we may fight against this idea. We're talking about First Peter chapter 2 and basically verse 3 where it's talking about wives mm-hmm. submitting. So submission is a hard subject for a lot of people, whether you're a wife or whatever. But I'm telling you that it is submission is a good thing. In God's be, yes, economy, absolutely. in God's economy. Now, yep. we we are, as humans, take and pervert everything God has ever made mm-hmm. for good. We've perverted it to bad. So, yes, we recognize mm-hmm. that. We acknowledge yes. that. But but to just try to throw it away and say, no, that's mm-hmm. wrong or we're not going to do that, that, that doesn't work. What we right. need to do is, is figure out what God, the context, as we've talked about, you know, the week before when we talked about First Peter, what we're talking about this week, the context of what is told to us and what we're called to, and then how we can be obedient to that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I like to kind of say that submission actually solves the leadership dilemma within the home um, because, you know, just like a car can't have two steering wheels that are active at the same time. A home can't have two leaders that are active at the same time um, because everybody else kind of looks between one and the other and goes, who do I follow this time and how am I going to pay for it if I follow one and the other one gets mad? You know, so it it creates a dilemma in the home if you've got two people fighting over leadership. And so submission is taking a knee. It's taking a half a step behind and allowing somebody else to have clear leadership. Um, That's the best way I've been able to describe that submission. It's not laying down and becoming a doormat. Mm-hmm. It's not going completely silent mm-hmm. and not voicing your opinion or not stepping in at all. Those kinds of things. That's not what submission is. Um, you know, for example, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah was not a doormat in Abraham's life. He did not walk all over her. He looked at her in times and said, did, do what's in, what you have in your heart to do he delegated domain to her and it was hers to run and and manage. So, I mean, this is not an example. And we see that example of of Sarah and Abraham in in, uh, verse 6. But yet at the same time, you know, Abraham did foolish things. Like when he went through certain lands, he allowed the king to take his wife, put her in the harem. You know, I mean, more than once, ladies, more than once. Abraham Hmm. He and I would have had some discussions, um, but at the same time, she trusted God, who is bigger than Abraham. yes,
0: yes, and Abraham. I think, I think that that ultimately is where you were, where your trust needs to be put. And it, I, and I, I speak from a place of having my own trust broken and had to rebuild that, and had to uh, try to walk through the process of learning. How not to not trust anybody, and how scary yeah. that can be. So I, I've come to the point where I acknowledge that there are people who are not trustworthy. Yes, they're people. But God is always trustworthy, and it is in Him that I put my trust. And so, if He calls me to love someone that's difficult to love, and who may not hmm, do the right thing. Yes, I, I can love. I can love with and trust in God. Trust that I'm going to please God by loving that person. That does not mean that I'm going to put myself in a position to be, uh, as you said, be a doormat or be used or abused or be in a toxic relationship or something else like that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, uh, you know, there's such a thing as tough love, you know? Sometimes you have to, you're kind and you love, but you stand firm in the boundaries that you draw, and that is still loving. That's That's still living out your Your call. Yes. It's possible. We can get really confused on this. And sometimes, as we said earlier, uh, that. Uh, you know, sometimes we need someone to walk
1: along beside us and help us to see some of these things clearly. Because sometimes in a situation, because um, of, you know, the gaslighting and stuff that can happen in abuse, especially verbal abuse and the emotional abuse that can go along with a a destructive relationship. um, For example, you can't, you don't know real clear what is right. Yeah. You know, and so when you look at, you know, chapter three, verse six, um, it says, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. And I want to highlight just a piece of this. If you do what is right without mm-hmm. any being frightened with any fear. And here's the thing. If before the Lord, you know you're doing the right thing, you can do that with some confidence that God will protect you. Mm-hmm that he will go with you. I want to refer to the the situation in the Old Testament with Abigail. She is, I love the story of Abigail, whether by choice or by, you know, just the way marriage custom happens back then. She ended up married to a man whose name literally means fool. She was married to Nabal and he lived up to the character of his name. Mm -hmm. He was a fool. And, um, and so you have this story of him making a very foolish call uh, with David. And he had received David's protection over and over again with his flock and his herdsmen. And, you know, David had was a wise man with mighty men. He had a small army and he was kind of um, muscle for hire, so to speak. He would keep Tradesmen and stuff, um, their product, their their livestock, whatever. He would keep it safe from thieves. So he was kind of like a policeman, and as part of that, it was just understood in that culture and at that time that if David had need of something, you would tithe. You would you would meet his needs and provide for him because he was. He was providing a valuable service. And so it was almost looked at like it was his payment, his due, to the extent that he, he was justified in that culture at that time to seek vengeance if you refused to offer that. And so Nabal had put his entire household at risk of being absolutely annihilated by his refusal to... Um, basically pay the person that had protected his livelihood his flocks you know everything he possessed and abigail recognized the sheer stupidity of that and under the cloak of darkness while he was drunk and passed out she literally raids her pantries and the storehouses and puts the best of the best on Um, a cart, so to speak, in her van, if you will. And she takes off to make this right. And so she stepped outside of her husband's directions at that point to save her household. Mm -hmm. Um, A household that upon the death of her husband, she completely lost. And she was literally powerless at that point um, because her husband's household would have gone to his heir and she would have lost all footing in that household and had no one to take care of her. And so short of returning to her father, father's house. She had nowhere to go. Um, And so that's exactly what happens is um, David, she meets David, he offers mercy. um, And then she goes back home, her husband gets so mad, he basically has a coronary, and he collapses. However, that happens, we don't know for sure. But Um, he, he dies and then she's literally left without home. David hears and he marries her and brings her into his care, into his family and takes care of her. He honors her wisdom. Um, and so, you know, she was a woman who did what was right Mm -hmm. and didn't worry with fear. Mm -hmm. So I think she's right in line of the character of Sarah that's described here in chapter six. And having worked with women who have stepped out um, to create safety and to seek refuge, um, the one thing I hear story after story after story was they were scared, but God provided. And when they didn't rush ahead, but they just kept in step with him, he made a way through it, however that was, whatever that looked like. Um, But he was faithful to kind of meet and take care of them along the journey. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't know where some of our listeners are, but sweet, sweet, sweet woman, if you are in a dangerous place and you know you need to get out I want you to understand that God, his heart is very tender towards you and to your children. And find a place of safety. Find believers who are tender to you. Please find safety. Get to a place of safety. Flee to a place of refuge. One of the first things that Solomon did is he set up cities of refuge. Israel had cities of refuge that you could go and be safe. So if there was any threat in your life, there were safe places designated. Um, And I want you to understand that that is a very biblical principle to flee to a place of safety. Um, And I want you to understand that God will walk this through with you. So be strong and courageous. And run if you need to run to be safe. Um, and you know, Missy, I love the next couple of verses because it's that same theme of just focus on how you're living your life. Mm-hmm. So that you're blameless. And and honestly, that theme carries down all the way down through like verse 17 says, it is better if God wills it so that you suffer for doing what is right mm. rather than for doing what is wrong. Yeah. Um. You know, so we've got kind of the same theme in these two chapters. And it's, you know, if you're in a situation where there's unjust or, you know, there's abuse going on. Um, now I'm going to caveat all of that with that safety piece, but, um, it's, it's this focus on your character. Don't focus on what you're so Mm -hmm. mad about in somebody else's character. Focus on your own first so that you're blameless Mm. when things go cockeyed.
0: Boy, yes. And then again, that, that goes back to what I said about live without regret, live in the way that God has called you to live. Mm -hmm. Uh, and let's just look at these couple of verses here. Verse eight says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous. Here's verse 9 doesn't this sound familiar? Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Uh, verse 10 says For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Mm. Once again, we are called to respond and not react. We are called to love. We are called to not return evil for evil. We're called to not not to retaliate, not to, not to react. Well, they deserve it. You know, I, the whole thing for, um, I mean, I, I've seen this where, and I felt it in myself sometimes where you think, well, if you're going to be like that, then I'm going to be like that. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what we want to do. I mean, it may be our first impulse, but when we look at these verses, we realize that we, we truly need the Lord's help in responding in a way that is honoring to him. Yeah. Um, for many reasons, but most of all, because that's what we're called to,
1: that's the purpose. And, and, you know, I, I had a conversation with my son one day, maybe three months ago, four months ago, and I was, I was just convicted of something and I, I turned and I looked at him and I said, you know what, you're right. I said, even the way I'm praying right now, I'm praying out of my hurt. Mm. and that's not okay. I'm praying out of my anger, and that's not okay. Yeah. You know, I need to ask God to change me so that I can pray how he would want me to pray, not out of my reaction to this situation. Well, And and isn't that just a good point? I mean, I just sat there and I thought, thank you, Jesus. That's just such a sweet understanding that I would not have necessarily thought of before.
0: You know, Romans 12 says bless those who curse you, bless and do not curse. I mean, this is the response we're called to even, and yes, it's hard. Of course it's hard. And yes, it's beyond what we can do in and of ourselves. Of course it is. It's supernatural. Mm -hmm. It's something only God himself can help us to do. Uh, But that's what we're called to. Verse 10 says, uh, to refrain your tongue from evil and from speaking deceit. Yes. And from verse 11, you turn away from evil and you do good. Um, you know, you, you don't, if somebody reviles you, you don't revile them back. If somebody is cruel to you, you're not cruel back. If somebody yells at you, you don't yell back. I mean, it seems really simple. And I, I recognize that the, the principle seems simple. The acting out of it is hard. It's impossible on your own. You really, truly
1: have to rely on the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. Well and, and that okay. The act of not returning the insult, the act of leaving blessing in your wake, the act of, you know, being treated vehemently and then turning a loving gentleness towards that person. That is the thing that makes you shine like stars yeah. in a dark and perverse generation. That's what makes you look different. That's yep. what makes Jesus in you evident, that's your new and living hope being lived out in the yuck. That's, that's a child of God. That's a child of the king. That's living with that Christian worldview, responding to the world in a totally unexpected manner that does not make sense. That's what makes them go, "Oh, what is that Mm. all about? If that makes sense.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, oh my goodness, it's a lesson- I mean, I feel like I've learned it, but it's an ongoing lesson. It's something mm-hmm. that we have to, I think, continually come back to because we we are all uh, we're all humans. We Wait. we're all sinful. We all have moments that we are not at our best, and so it impacts someone else. And so, mm. you know, it's going to come up again and again and again and again. And and in, in some cases, it's it's easier than others, depending on what the action is or what how we feel offended or how we've been hurt or some of those things. But
1: but the ultimate calling is the same. Yeah. We're still to respond in love. Missy, I want to go to 14 and 15 because you want to talk about a verse being quoted and owned without its context. What a context for this verse. Okay, all of these situations where you may be um, reviled or, you know, have an unpleasant boss or, you know, be in a situation with a husband who does not honor the word of God. That's your context for all of this. Okay, so down here, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. I mean, but in these, I, I, how many times have I quoted this mm. being ready always to give an answer for the hope that was within you? Okay. Well, that hope stands out because you're living so contrary. Yeah, You're not returning the response in this affliction and suffering and, and, you know, persecution that the world would expect. Yeah.
0: And I, I can say from experience that it's that hope it that is in you. It is that Holy Spirit that is within you. It is Christ Himself who, yeah. when you yield yourself to Him, al- helps you, allows you that you're even able to respond in such a manner that people can see. Because they will say to you, "I don't know how you did that." Yeah. Well, I didn't actually do it. It was God in me that did that. How you know? How could you forgive that person of that thing, or how could you, you know, treat him so kindly when he's treated you so badly? I mean, all these. These responses that are so contrary to the world around us, it, that's exactly, exactly mm-hmm. as you said, that's what makes us shine for Jesus in a world that needs Him desperately. Um,
1: so, and, it, and you know, that doesn't mean the other response inside of you is erased because I, I just, Honestly, there are so many times that before I realize what I'm doing, I am catching myself wanting to retaliate, Mm -hmm. wanting to speak back, wanting to just, (laughs) oh yeah. Or to be able to vent and express how frustrated I am or how angry I am at being misunderstood or, you know, just how unfair something is. Um, and those kinds of things and, or wanting to just get away from that stressor, you know, just wanting to be done, wash my hands of it. And I just don't even want to have anything to do with blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and then I, it's, it's funny. So I want you to understand that the human part of us is probably always going to have that kind of reaction, but how loud it is and how much it's allowed to control your ending responses, is determined by how much you're in God's word mm. and how much you are trying to live and surrender to the Holy Spirit that is in live inside of you. Uh, that, how much that part of you wins, I think is reflected by how much you are in God's word and God's word is in you, how much you're abiding in Christ. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, my encouragement to you is instead of beating yourself up, For where you've ended up before, get in his word, Mm
0: -hmm. start
1: doing the homework to get yourself to the other place. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you get onto yourself and beat yourself up for where you failed, you've missed the point. Mm -hmm. The point is knowing Christ. The point is understanding salvation and what he did for you on the cross and why we obey. It's not about whether or not we've done how well we've hmm. done this. Right. This is a growth process all the way through life. So all the way until the point that we go to meet our maker, we are on a journey And we'll make progress some days and other days we won't. It's being able to sit in the middle of that and go, okay, Lord, I'm in this situation. This is a good place for me to go to first Peter. And to camp out here, and Lord, I need you to show me how to do this because this is not my natural reaction. My natural reaction is things I don't even want to (laughs) mention. But you know what, Lord? I'm going to try to live this in submission with you so that I am blameless as much as possible. Um, I've sat with some situations personally where I've sat there and went, okay, Lord, I want to make sure that the way I'm living leaves blessing in my wake Mm. that I am as blameless as I can possibly be, that I am not putting any, for lack of a better word, fuel on this fire so that there is nothing else that can be laid at my feet and blamed. Mm. I I want to be as honorable and as upright in this as I can be because honestly, this may be a situation where somebody will end up feeling foolish Mm. for what's happened and I don't want... To mess up the process that God may have mm. on their redemption.
0: Live without regret, Gwen.
1: Right, and so I like just sitting, handling situations in my hands, going, "Lord, I need your wisdom because I feel like I'm darned if I do, and I'm darned if I'm not, da- if I don't." But in this situation, I need to be as honorable as I can. And I love this last part here: i um, keeping a good conscience, so that in the thing which you're slandered." Um, that those who revile your behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Uh, For it is better if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. And then it says, verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all. takes us right back to the cross. Don't you love that in Peter? And the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. So ultimately, the way I'm responding is so that God can bring somebody else to Christ through my example. That's what's going on here. Having been put to death in the flesh. So in other words, I might be dying to those fleshly reactions, the things I want to do in this situation, but being made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits that are now in prison, who once were disobedient, but when the patience of God patience of God. I love that. Um, was kept waiting in the days of Noah during, uh, the construction of the ark. He's talking about the ark here. Um, You know, this is just, I'm going to pause because I know we're at the end of a day today and we'll pick this up tomorrow, but it's this idea of just making sure that whatever we do, we are not a hindrance to the gospel of Christ Mm. in the salvation of another person. There are so many times, and we know it, where there are people that the way they have chosen to respond to some of these things has created so many stumbling blocks for people in coming to faith in Christ or being able to see Christ. Christ in the love that he has for them. Mm. I don't want to be one of those in the lives of other people. Mm. And so it's living every day in such a way that I'm trying my hardest through the Holy Spirit's help to, to live an example that draws people to Christ rather than creates a stumbling block and a barrier for them and, and obscures the love of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. We are going to jump into the rest of three and pick up chapter four of 1 Peter. You have found a place to belong here in the circle of friends.
0: to transitional design, then meander through the gardens for a large selection of house plants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.
1: Step back in time with a stay at one of the oldest buildings in historic Berlin, Ohio, the Worthman House. This charming building has a rich history with origins dating back to as early as the mid-1800s. The newly restored two-bedroom, one-bathroom suite has hardwood floors and gorgeous chestnut trim throughout. It is also outfitted with locally made Amish furniture. It can sleep 6 and offers a beautiful panoramic view of Berlin's Main Street. Its location in the heart of Berlin is an ideal spot for walking to various restaurants and shops. Book your stay at the Worthman House through VRBO.